from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. You're listening to live from the path. We're coming from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. I'm a good cut. Welcome to the show. No one can hear anything you're saying. I had, I had to listen here. I had a mutual. There's like a it's like a weird party going on in here. I'm gonna get cut and jacked. I don't. You're not I'm gonna, gonna start get, working out, man. No, I don't like any of this. Call you Diesel. Diesel. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I'm against it. Okay, Dan. Was there was there ever a spot in your life where you felt like like you were at your prime, cut and jacked? Oh yeah. Wait, cutting Jack? Like, what does it mean? <laughs> Nathaniel, what? before I say yeah, it's too late. But <laughs> Nathaniel, first of all, Dan is in, yeah. but, but he wants to know what he just agreed to. Yes. Yeah. So cut being like, uh, you know, shredded. Yeah. Like, okay. I not was a whole lot of fat. That's where I was. Yeah. And then jacked, as in you got big musculos. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. talking. I'm talking. <laughs> yeah. I'm ta- I, had, I had the yeah. bench up to 400 about. Yeah. That's what talking. 15 years ago or so. I don't know what it was. Yeah. In 1978. No, no, it was after Planting Pathway. Okay, okay. Yeah. That was in 1978. What year did you plant Pathways? 2002. Okay, that's not quite yeah. as old. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Were you taking any supplements, Dan? I was not. That was all natural. It was 100%. Not, not even like, pro- I didn't do the shakes, I didn't do the Natty bars. I didn't, I, no. It was me and Jesus and a weight bench. <laughs> that's right. At the right. Young Men Christians Association. <laughs> all right. Hey, you're listening live from the path. Uh, hey, if you want to use, to use the complaint line, just know that I don't care when you were cutting jacked. I don't. You don't have to send that over. That's. Uh, I'm not well, even going to get and jacked. You said. Yeah. I thought you said cutting jack. I thought. Wait a minute. Is oh. that like like <laughs> drugs or something? Is I'm cutting something? <laughs> Dan, what is cutting jack? I don't know. That's why I thought. Wait, <laughs> you I said agreed. it with such confidence. I like, assumed it. Then. Was I thought, that wait, something in 1978? <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Right. Hey man, when That's were you cutting confirm. Jack? <laughs> so oh, I cut confirm, Jack a long yes. time ago. He we'll was just dead weight. <laughs> okay, here's what we got. Sorry, hold on. We got we got some uh, we got some that. articles to talk through on the show. Okay, a, a few things I thought uh, were interesting. First of all, uh, five ways to know Jesus is calling you. Ooh. Can you hear Jesus calling you? <laughs> um, have you ever heard of anybody setting up Jesus as a contact in your phone just in case he wants to get a hold of you? No, that'd be funny. That would be funny. I've heard people say they do that. They're like every new phone I get. I just put Jesus in there with no phone number, just in case he wanted to get oh, a hold thought, of me in I, that way. I thought you were saying that like as a gag, like you put take your friend's phone, put in uh, Jesus as like your contact, and no. then you start calling them. No, that's so, bold. That kind of stuff will get you thrown into a pit of fire in the Old Testament. You can't be doing that. Yeah, but like people, people be like, they just put Jesus in his phone, and then they're like, figured one time if Jesus ever wanted to text them or get a hold of them in that way, sure. then they would so do it. I've never heard of that. Book. Really? We travel in different circles. I'm guess most of my friends are cutting jack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, understood. Uh, there's also I thought this was kind of interesting. There's the, it did an interview with someone who I think wrote a book around 50 atheists uh, that found Jesus, and this person did research as to why, like what was was their commonalities to them uh, about their belief system and kind of how they came to meet Jesus, and that seemed kind of fun. So we'll hit that up. Also, Dan found an article around. <laughs> 
that uh, I think he's tagged as millennial clickbait for Christians. And it was about like... That's my assumption. It was people who, um, like Christians who feel like they're not doing enough. Right, Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we're supposed to be missional. Oh, I'm not missional enough. Oh, I'm uh-huh. bad. I'm a bad Christian. Yes. And then there's anxiety and pressure, and I feel like a failure. Okay, yes. That yes. was the gist I got out of it. I mean, it seems kind of right. I mean, it seems like things that we might be uh, might be struggling with. Okay. so all right, I so, drove right by a homeless person. Didn't do a thing. Today? No, I'm just saying that's oh. like the, guilt, the guilt. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I didn't. I stopped. Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> I'm not one of those millennials. <laughs> not one of you guys. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that's what we got going on the show uh, this evening. So, like, uh, let's, first of all, let's see if you know that Jesus is calling. Yes. Nathaniel, are you ready for this? Hey, I'm ready. Do you feel like, Nathaniel, do you feel yeah. like... Yes, sir. You've You've had an yeah. experience where the Lord... Interacted with you specifically called me. Yeah, not like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose it could be for any any justification you feel like it. But like you said, you you walked away going, I feel like the Lord addressed uh, dealt with me directly right there. Yes. Okay. W- what was it? Uh, well, there was this one time where I was living down in the land of M- Missouri. Okay. And uh, for years, my wife and I were battling, uh, and by battling, I mean discussing whether or not we were where we were going to live. Uh, for our days mm-hmm. and what we were going to do. And, uh, you know, I says to her eventually, we were praying on it, and I says, you know, I'm really sick of praying. <laughs> I want action. <laughs> I said, I'm sick, I'm sick of praying. I'm going to just, we're going to make a decision, and that's what we're going to go with. Uh-huh. And uh, so there I was, uh, I prepared to make decisions, big decisions. Yeah. On uh, like buying houses and and living life and stuff like that, and uh, I was at work and I was tearing apart a conveyor belt, and uh, uh, old uh, old old uh, Ben was it you? No, it was probably Amanda. Yeah, probably my wife. Yeah, probably Amanda. Text Megan says, "Hey, uh, we're selling our house. We want you to buy it." And uh, Megan texted me while I was at work, and I said, "You know, I've looked in Iowa. There's not a whole lot of jobs that uh, are around uh, within my what what I do for a living <clears throat> that pay anywhere close to what I'm making down here. So that seems real silly, but I'll look online just for the kicks and gigs of it. And then uh, it says uh, it pulls up first thing right there. You know, conveyor belt mechanic." <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, do I remember correctly, like, part of the story was, like, the previous day or something, hadn't you turned off, like, job notifications or something in Iowa? Yeah, I turned it off. I said, I'm done with it. Yeah. I said, I'm I'm, I'm sick of praying. I'm (laughs) I'm done with Iowa. I'm living in Missouri. I'm buying uh, multiple real estate investments. It's gonna be sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you 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 all you took all human actions to go. I'm done with this. Exactly. Okay, got it. Okay, continue. Uh, and then, so I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is, uh, rich. <laughs> uh, you know, and I sent, uh, maybe the sloppiest, uh, re- resume <laughs> known to man. Uh, and like 45 minutes later, I was hired. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, met salary expectations. And- uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, so, and uh, you gave me a real sweet deal on your house, so that was a bonus, and uh, I moved up here. Nice. <laughs> and okay. here we are. Here we are. Okay. Now I live here. And I don't remember all the mechanizations of that, but like, um, if you look at the old Foost uh, altar to Yahweh in our house, uh, that's actually on, on that one, too, because there were a number of things that had to occur 
for us to sell our house that just felt very orchestrated beyond our control and things that we've been preying on, um, including, hey, man, is there any way that uh, Nathaniel and his family, you know, could be back in Iowa type of stuff? And so um, anyway, it was just um, I. Yeah. Yeah, 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 super. Felt like a real moron after it too. <laughs> like you know, I, literally, I said to her, "Hey, I'm gonna stop praying about this." I figure, you know, after a couple of years of praying on it, uh, you know, it's just like make a decision, you know, because the, the God obviously doesn't care about where we live. Uh-huh. It's you know whatever. And literally the next day, <laughs> it was like, okay, uh, maybe, maybe wrong. Okay, okay. I don't right. know. We're, so we're gonna see if uh, you should buy this house is a uh, part of the article. So this was uh, five ways to know Jesus is calling you. Number 1, you experience emptiness. Nathaniel? <laughs> I mean sometimes. <laughs> and then Jesus and you know Jesus was talking to you? No. Well, well read the explanation. Now, this is calling weird. to salvation or calling to a, a mission or call, like what Yeah, what's, what's he calling? Uh, it could, could be any number of things here it says say, uh hey. let's see. Jesus may be trying to reach you to encourage you to get on or back on a spiritual on spiritual course. Here are several key signs Jesus is calling you. It's time to take up your cross and follow him. It's like this person has a dice of random <laughs> phrases that Christians use. <laughs> maybe, maybe you've read this pamphlet. How about this one? Is there like an urban uh, dictionary, Christian dictionary yeah, online somewhere? Uh, <laughs> it is like spin the wheel. Oh, Mad Libs. <laughs> okay. So um, sometimes we begin to feel a strong sense of emptiness, as if something important is missing from our lives. All Christians have feelings of spiritual emptiness from time to time. This is a sign that Jesus is calling you to follow him, even though it may be hard to see it that way when we are caught up in our sin and loneliness. Uh, yeah, maybe I should wait for the other ones. I, I have not had this experience, I would say. I've had God call me back like from things and into things and into disciplines that I had stopped doing and... But like I, I don't know that I have an experience of of emptiness. I yeah. don't know, and I don't know the feeling of that is always implicit that there is a, a specific God calling into your life. Um, again, I whatever I, I know people fall on different sides of this, but like uh, if you want the Holy Spirit to speak, the, the Bible is it. The Holy Spirit has spoken, and it the Holy Spirit may also speak um in other ways to you personally but like this feeling of emptiness i'm not sure implies that there is an extra biblical biblical um message out there for you from jesus uh it frankly just may be uh it may be a consequence of uh you separating yourself from god i think that sounds more that's right not, yeah yeah that's why i was wondering if he was like that's a prequel to okay now you need something but just an empty spot i better fill it or something. yeah right your first but, but thought should it, be like, in that scenario to be okay where am I at? Where am I at with my relationship with with Jesus? You know, like like what what am I what am I filling my time with that is obviously not producing anything that I feel empty, right? And then yeah. I think it will probably bear out that you have separated yourself from God and you are not pursuing the things that He's pursuing. And like, yeah, that does equal an emptiness for sure. Yeah, I don't. I, maybe I'd be hesitant in the belief that God sends arbitrary emptiness. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. uh, he may, he will act in emptiness within so, but like, if otherwise you're walking faithfully with him, I, I, I just, I'm not seeing like biblical a situations. bout of emptiness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, now, like certainly God will do things that we might think are, are a human detriment to get your attention, but that's almost always in the presence of someone who is sinning against him and, and refuses to repent. 
that's not the same thing as everything's fine and like let me send an emptiness so they turn to me like it just that, <laughs> right. i just i'm not seeing that yeah moses free the emptiness <laughs> i have a place for it to go today <laughs> yeah this can exist i just don't think it's um it's probably it, not even necessarily due to like it doesn't even have to be sinful behavior it can just be something about your life is not connecting and and certainly god will meet you in it um, and so it doesn't even have to be like wag your finger type of behavior. It's, it's a good indication to to offer the emptiness back up to God and say, I, I can't explain this. That's fine, too. Yeah, but I don't know if I'd phrase it as this is proof that God is calling you. Okay. You feel a calling to help others. This is the, uh, you know, Jesus is calling you because you feel a calling to help others. Uh, this doesn't even have to be a calling to the ministry. Sometimes this, I hate when people say my ministry, you know, just in general. That's because they try to put everything under the flag. Yeah. I unpeel bananas. That's my ministry. This is my ministry. <laughs> I help other people get easier access to the fruit of the banana. <laughs> and people will do that in like all levels of ridiculousness. Like, yeah, I played a banjo. It's my ministry. It's my ministry. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, it could be, I guess. Depends on how you do it. <laughs> I've, you know, and I've heard that too for like, um, when you call something a ministry, it tends to give it this shinola of holiness which sometimes ends up as like a justification to not do other things that you were kind of supposed to be doing. Like, uh, no, yeah, I know, I know, I'm, I'm never, uh, I don't come to the church activities, but like uh, my ministry is this, which yeah. is something else. You know what I hear this a lot in? Like, this is uh, condemning because I know a lot of people in this area, but like, um, I hear a lot of people say this, like they're traveling church musicians. <laughs> like they just oh, yeah. guest sit in at church like every third Sunday or whatever, and then you don't see them the weeks that they're not playing. They're like, my ministry is playing in the worship band. Like once a month, I'm like you are have no presence in God's people at all, except for the time you show up, pluck a couple strings, you know. Like that's not a ministry, dude. Yeah, right. Like you're doing something, and uh, I don't. Let's call it something else, but like it's not your ministry. Yeah, it's not yeah, your we'll ministry. Call that a gig. Yeah, that's right. You play gigs, morning. Okay. Um, so sometimes this is a calling to do more for others because you simply feel led to. The Bible tells us now you belong to Him in order that you might be useful in service to God. One of the greatest ways to display God's love and reflect Christ's presence is through acts of kindness and giving back. Regardless of your job or career, you are called to a full-time Christian service. If you feel an underlying urge to do something bigger than yourself to benefit the greater good without any need of reward, you are an average Christian. <laughs> okay, I ad-libbed that last part. Which What they said was, uh, you are being called to take up your cross with a capital Y. That's not right. Isn't Whoa, that like what? a given? I thought that was everyone is supposed, is being called all the time to take up your cross. That's why it says daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like they, she's really like found one knob on the radio and just like kept cranking on it as if it's going to play the right hits every time. It does feel like though, like like this is the opportunity to like for sure roll that stuff up. Like you know, you've had stuff come across like your your family's table or whatever. Like a situation arises and you're like, yes, we definitely want to be a part of this. Yeah. And then like like you instantly think. God, thanks for thanks for letting us be a part of this. This sounds so awesome. Yeah, you know, like you get to you get excited and you haul everybody in and you go do a thing and you're like, what a gift that like God has given us an eye to be able to see when people are in need and the ability to help them and the excitement for the work and like, but it doesn't. It feels like all this is coming from a, a deficit where really it's, yeah. it is like Emma said, it's just regular living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, number three, career shift, sudden passion. Okay. Now Nathaniel had the same career. That's true. Okay. And did, did you become uh, passionate about uh, anything in particular when you came into the lift to the Iowa? Uh, like like career-wise? No, just did anything in general. Did you say, I have a new lease on life? I have a new passion. Yeah. Uh, I started it, uh, 
I start. There was a guy where at my old job, he would always give people thumbs up. Yeah. Walking in the hallway. Yeah. And I said to myself, at this new job, I could be thumbs up guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Yeah. Just, let's let's see if this fits the criteria. That's your ministry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. I said, this is my ministry. Thumbs up ministry. <laughs> All right. Sometimes Jesus calls us in ways we may never have imagined. So far, this is this is lining up. My ministry. Sometimes Jesus is trying to get your attention by telling you that you have a greater calling. This may translate into a career shift. As Mark 10.45 reminds us, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That means that we should live lives that reflect our service to others. If your current job doesn't reflect this and you feel like something is missing or isn't feeling right, Jesus is trying to get your attention. This is a bold thing for someone to write. <laughs> this is like, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm tired of being at the fry later, Dave. I'm out of here. Jesus is calling. Why are you handing out Bibles on the street? <laughs> right. Like, I just... I, <laughs> All right. Um, our calling may not be revealed to us overnight. So this is a woman saying, just go ahead and quit. <laughs> if you feel the tinglers about it, the Lord will get to you eventually. But through using our gifts and talents in our careers, many of us discover what feels right and develop a need to do more. Okay. I don't notice that to be true. I've never talked to, I mean, I probably say 85% of the population is like, do you feel right at your job? No, man. Nope. I go because they pay me. <laughs> yeah. Right. And this is not fulfilling to me, except for the fact that it provides food for my family and puts shelter over my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually, and I've, you know, my ministry work, I've justified this in my head is because I think to myself, uh, well, I'm working here and my work here helps other people in support of what they're doing. And, but really I'm just dragging more people into the cesspool of not doing anything that creates any particular value into the world. It's all like notional dollars (laughs) and fake promises. Insurance is like that. Yeah, that's true. What are we going to do with everybody that works for an insurance company? Or, you know what I'm saying, or is they're involved in ethereal threats that don't exist. Yeah. And then we're like, Does, do you find this fulfilling? Yeah, man. I love selling people insurance that never pays out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might give you some money, maybe. Do you, do you feel like the passions, though, could be, like, could be part of it? Because I feel like, maybe I haven't experienced it, but it feels like it makes sense. That like, if you suddenly are really interested and really passionate about something you never were before, that that could be God leading you down a path. No, yeah, I do think that's right. I do think that's right. Like you could find uh, that you you are doing something or interact with a situation circumstance and just you're just tuned into it for some reason or another and it doesn't let go of you. Yes. Okay. I think that could be. So but I think that the like the the point here is is like the article is framing it as if it's like here's five ways to know if God may may be here. Like it'd be like walking into my house and going, "Here's five clues that your wife may be at home." Instead of just going <laughs> to talk to my wife. And saying, wife, are you home? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the difference here is, like, it's trying to suss out all the detective work as if you don't know the God of the universe to ask. Yeah. Right? And to to read scripture and to to bring your things to him, opposed to going, what is the clues he might leave around my life? As if so I can follow this crumb trail and maybe end up in the right mouse hole. (laughs) Yeah. And I would say, like, actually, this is an encouragement that I would have certainly for... Like there's some people where it feels like they're what God has them doing is like super clear and direct for them. I feel like Dan, your life has kind of been like that. Like you knew mm-hmm. and you're doing it. And nothing yeah. like maybe the maybe the the different hows about it now might surprise a twenty year old Dan, like all the different things you're doing. But for the yeah. most part, like it's playing out like you would have Oh yeah. 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 I mean fourth grade, it was clear. I was like I mean who what fourth grader says, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. I mean and That's I, right. So, I'm gonna yeah. be the thumbs up guy. <laughs> so but like if that's not if that's not you, 
one of my encouragements to be is is to like cast a wide net, man. Like you just never mm-hmm. know. Like take for example, so so this this actually does still apply to Dan. Uh, fourth grade Dan didn't go, dude. I'm gonna be I'm gonna do radio. I'm gonna be on a radio. Yeah, I'm gonna do right. podcast, you know, stuff. And like we've been doing podcasts for a very long time. Nobody has any particular background or skill in the thing. It's just it's something yeah. that by yeah. casting a wide net, you experience things, and then you can yeah. Maybe it's something that God turns a light bulb on for. Honestly, we we just you know. I've been doing this a long time. We, we, I've been part of homeless things, ministry things, yep. right? Right, where, where like the church is, but I wasn't directly. I was like, yeah, I'll give you batteries, whatever, you know. Yep. And, but yep. somebody else did all this stuff, and and for like for the first time ever, like I walked into a homeless camp, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and, and like now I'm going around mingling with them, like, hey, Mike, how you doing, buddy? Well, yeah, you, Mike. But there was, you know, <laughs> hey, he had a sore back two weeks. You know, <laughs> there's plenty of options for Will to do. Mike, I mean, like I know Will. their name, and, and and we know stuff. We so we we, we, we it, it's so uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's exciting. Yeah, you know, because it's something different, and it's and it's, yep. and we're we're building relationships, and yes. and we're seeing other people jump on board who. Who, uh, as well we're like oh yeah it's cool for other people to do that you know right um but to be in the middle of it it's, it's just it's pretty neat yeah yes so, so god keeps giving you new fun stuff yes that's right and actually i would say that like just being on the sidelines of of dan's work as a pastor like dan does cast a, a wide net like i've seen you get involved in all kinds of things like well maybe there's something here and sometimes there is and sometimes there's not mm-hmm. and so like but if you're a person who's you know it could be your job sure but like to emma's point just thinking about passions and things like just try some stuff. Like yeah. it, it's one of the things that I always get that I get tied up on, or or like I guess focused on to encouraging other people is that like like I, I sometimes sometimes the spirit is generally not going to like kick you off your stool. Like just go live live your life and do it broadly and interact with all kinds of things, and then I think you will see a light bulb go off or a passion connect or something like that. And sometimes it'll be in places you never knew that you were interested in or didn't even have a conception that you would be part of. Um, and there's no reason to self-limit that. Like, just be open to things that God can can do. And like, again, cast a cast a wide net unless it's unless you feel like God's got you doing something super clear. Uh, next one, relationships. Relationships are uh, one of the ways to know that Jesus is calling. Our relationships can reveal Jesus calling for our lives. Be open to listening to what the people in your life have to say, especially the spiritual ones, the spiritual people, particularly if you've fallen off course with God. Hey, talk to people who you're friends with. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. These people will affirm you. They are placed in your life by God so that you can recognize your full potential. And God might be sending an important message through them. On the other side, be mindful of people who take you off course with God. Anyone who causes a separation between you and God is not a good person to have in your space. Once we remove these people from our lives, we are a better place to see God's calling for our lives. (laughs) Do you have a bellwether on who your spiritual friends are? Uh, yeah, like, like the, we confuse this a lot. I was just talking to somebody about this over the weekend. We were talking about like the difference between Western culture and Eastern culture, like where, um, like your, your, the, the words you say can be divorced from your actions in Western culture. And like, that is just not how, that's not the culture the Bible was written in. That's not how Eastern culture works now, you know? And so like, um, when it all boils down to it, Jesus, of course, nailed it. And he's like, uh, you know, good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. And so, like, I look at, at lives of people that, that surround me and, like, the folks that are consistently producing good fruit, yeah, those are the people I ask. Like, I've made plenty of phone calls with with calling somebody and been like, look, I'm having a hard time sussing this out. Uh, You know, can, can I run this by you? Would you pray with me? Do you have any? I'll take your advice, actually, because I think it's it's coming from a place that wants to honor Jesus and not honor me. 
and like it's super helpful, you know? And so, yeah, it's easier to tell than you think, right? When you make it gray, it means that like the people that you're thinking about asking, you might not have good selections, right? Like you should be able to think of like in, in your mind, come up with the top three people that you would go to to give you biblically good, like solid advice, not like to pat you on the tush or tell you you're great or be like, hey, yeah, I, I understand you're screwing this up. You, you know, it, it happens to everybody. Hey, you know, like you want the people that's going to go, look, you look, you're not, you're straying from what Jesus has for you. You're missing the joy that he's offering. And this is where it's okay to, to make a move. And sometimes even when it's not confrontational like that, it, it could be just, they're, they're just, you, you know them as people who are aligned, to, aligned with the spirit and they're going to say something that they didn't even know, you know, but God like will say, I mean, I actually agree with this one in, uh, with, in the yeah. article. I mean, it's a, there, there are times you, you hear from God through people, um, and you just go, okay, they didn't have any clue I was even asking about this or thinking about that or, or whatever. And it's just I've like, totally had that happen a couple yes, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah, being attuned to things. And, like, my wife has often said, like, sometimes it's people around her, but it tends to be, like, a combination of something she read in the Bible— and then there's a podcast or it shows up in a sermon or something that wasn't aligned to the same thing. And then somebody else message, message, uh, mentions it. And so then you start to feel like similar to, 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 I think, some experience that Nathaniel was talking about, like stuff just starts pulling together and you're like, ah, I'm just not buying that there isn't a hand in here mm-hmm. focusing on something like that. OK, uh, the last one is attending church. This is a way to know that Jesus is calling. Go to church. If you've been out of touch with Jesus, like these are all interesting because they see these, Mike's right. They, these are defensive. I was hoping Dan would do that. Calling old sinner, come Tennessee home. bird walk. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been out of touch with Jesus and off course spiritually, you may not have been. To, you're likely to be on beliefnet.com reading this article. You may not have been to church in a while. And if you've been attending regular, you may feel disconnected from the service and message. But if you found your way back to church or you're in a church and a verse, a song or something in the pastor's central message catches your attention, it is a sign that Jesus is reaching out to you to listen. Don't think this is just by chance. The Holy Spirit is active in God's house and sending you an important message. Why does this all have to feel so like... (laughs) Why does it have to be in the central message? Yeah. Like, yeah... It's just the greeter gave you something. You're like, no, man, you ain't the main show. (laughs) I'm moving on to the pews. (laughs) Don't talk to me. Yeah, I'll take that sprinkle donut, though. <laughs> it's just, like, it's unnecessary. These are all unnecessarily binding, right? Yeah, like, yeah. okay, yeah, well, it doesn't have to be a Sunday morning. It doesn't have to be a particular part of the message. It can be, well, but, like, you, it doesn't have to be. So, like, in general, how would you help somebody answer this question? Like, like you know, like, how do I know what Jesus... Like, like w- most people are in an ethereal, like, question. They're not a full-time pastor. They're not, like, a youth leader. They're not a worship minister. They don't, have, like, run a charity that... That you know hands food out to the homeless, and so they're like, "Look, I'm just a sheep in, sheep out type of type of fella." Um, but what is God's calling in my life? And can God's calling? Who's that dude? There's not a camera on you, so I needed a substitute. Okay. So so can set like can the calling be on my life? Like we've talked about this, can it be sheep in, sheep out? Right, that you're just the regular living guy, and like it kisses you on you know random things. I've said this. I don't know if this is right or not, but. Uh, I was talking with my wife about this, and uh, I was like, think about all the people, uh, all the Israelites in the Bible, that you don't know their name. Yeah. They're just some dude, you know? They're just trying to, you know, be be a guy, li- live their Israelite life. Yeah. Yeah, and like, what do you know about Enoch, right? Like, he's, he walks with the Lord. He didn't do it. He didn't no marks of remarkability about him, 
right? There's not like he cut off the top of a mountain or he led people anywhere. They're just like he walks with the Lord. I feel like this article didn't even end up answering the main question. Because if you can go to church or you can be talking with a friend and they say something or you hear something and you're like, wow, that really fits with what I was thinking about or that feels like something I've read or I feel like that's really touching like my heart or whatever. If you can pick that out, you know how to, you can hear your calling from God. Like, yeah, right. If you have the spiritual even, eyes to catch that something's going on, then you already have all the elements necessary. Yeah. 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 So like when they're like, Hey, if you might hear it at church, but if you could hear it at church, you could hear it anywhere. Yeah. So I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Which maybe gets to the broad point, which is that like, um, there's, there's not a, this is not a transaction. It's not like you do this thing and you'll hear from Jesus. And it's not necessarily that, like, if this thing occurs, then the Lord is beckoning to you. Like, I, I, the presumption is that, like, God is always using the things at his disposal to draw you to him. You should be open to that at all times um, and be willing to believe that he's doing that. And then you start seeing the things that connect in ways that maybe you would miss if you weren't after it. And if you're not going to church and, and not uh, talking to spiritual people and not doing all these things, he might provide a burning bush. Yeah, yeah. And say, hey. Look at that. <laughs> doesn't doesn't this uh, beg you to shoes. ask some questions? <laughs> Ooh, hey, so that's a good lead into that article we were talking about. So let's let, let, let's pull that up. Let's talk about the guy, the uh, interview with the folks, 50 Atheists Found Christ. Um, it says, Christians rejoice when atheists give their lives to Christ, but typically we only see the end result. Unless we know the skeptic personally, we rarely get a detailed picture of what brought about an openness to faith. In Atheists Finding God, unlikely stories of conversions to Christianity in the contemporary West... That's a catchy title. Oh, my. C.S. Lewis Institute teaching fellow and Side B Stories podcast host, Jaina Harmon, presents findings from her conversations with 50 atheists who came to faith. So here's a, here's a couple of kind of key points. Um, one of the questions was, what were some of the commonly held beliefs of the atheists you interviewed before their conversions? Um, I, I, I don't know. Any, any thoughts? Unlike, if you had to think, uh, or, or but what do you believe that atheists think? I suppose that's too broad of a question. Let's see how they answer it. Let me, I'll give you a shot at another Christians one. are weak. They're, you know. Okay. They're the whole atheist thing. Their common belief is there's no God, Ben. That's what we're submitting. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a weird question. All right. They said, generally speaking, they viewed Christian belief and believers through a negative lens. Okay. Uh, lacking exposure to genuine forms of belief, many developed their perception of Christianity through an unfriendly distance cultural perspective which led to reductionist caricatures and stereotypes okay that's not surprising to me uh-huh. like they they believe something based upon a really they it's it's, it's actually i would ask it the other direction too for christians yeah it's like your beliefs about people who believe one thing act in a certain way have certain types of relationships you if you should know people like you should be living such a life in which you start to interact with folks and like regardless of um how Jesus may speak into those situations we should not be walking around with shallow or caricatured views of people yeah. um and how they think and live and love and all the stuff okay so but that's that's basically what they're saying here is atheists have a belief about Christians i actually ran into this i was looking for an answer to something online uh on some forum or something and one of the related questions what had to do with an atheist asking a question about Christianity and the only people that responded were primarily other atheists and like these were the most ridiculous representations of Christianity that I'd ever seen that would basically what they a lot of them were focused on what I would say a very shallow representation of parts of the Old Testament and then a, a dismissal of Jesus in light of the Old Testament 
Wouldn't you say that's representative of really most of the population? They don't have to be atheists, but just, yes. just that they look at the church like they have no clue who we really are. Yes. You know, watch a Hollywood version and you'll be like, they have no idea. They have right. No idea. They I, saw know, the know. Noah movie and they're yeah, like, ah, yeah. oh, crap. <laughs> they believe in rock people. Like, <laughs> I mean, we believe in way crazier than rock people. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. If you're going to commit some of that stuff, let's put the good stuff on there. I mean, talking donkeys, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, let's see. They fan, let's see. For those who had some contact with religion or religious people, they found Christianity to be wanting and unattractive. Faith uh, was... Yeah, we do that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like Bova specifically? <laughs> no, not Bova specifically. Okay. <laughs> it's a behavioral question. It doesn't have to do with your vanity. I didn't even have a mic at that point in time, man. You just throw me into the bus. Calm down, Narcisse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did You're you say ve- Narcisse? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's how he likes me to render. He doesn't like to be called a narcissist. And so he goes, he, he says, you should call me Narcisse. That's true. (laughs) I do do that. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) Uh, Faith was often painted as superstitious, delusional, and uneducated, irreconcilable with science and contemporary ways of thinking and living. Christians were often seen as intolerant, bigoted, judgmental, and hypocritical. Okay, and so, we are some of those things. Yes, I, like we've earned some of that, but like as I'll, are everyone. Uh, you're right. Like it's <laughs> we, we just have a very like you can go look it up. You can check us pretty easily. Most people are functioning off a set of their own personal wily beliefs of which you couldn't validate whether they're being honest with them one way or the other. At least the people you can primarily compete Christians with, you can go to the source of which we drew these things and go, hey. This is where I think no, you're that's true. Straight. We're open to uh, we're open to criticism uh, based on whether we're actually living out the thing we say. Yes. But like you'd have to read it to know it, you know. So that's the thing is most of those accusations are leveled uh, without actually doing any research in it, like, or at like, least shallowly, or, or shallowly. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like that's where you get into the the com- combative nature around hey, the Old Testament laws and like those types of things are like, well, you're, hip- you're hypocrite. In fact, someone did, did somebody mention that today. I heard someone say something like that. Um, and it had to do with like, um, uh, I don't know, the type of meat that you eat or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a, someone had brought, this was on a work meeting. And at the end, someone was goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a steak for dinner. And goes, dude, you shouldn't do that. It splits the hoof. And, I'm like, and I thought that was funny. <laughs> but like they didn't intend it to be funny. Like they were talking about something about re- like religious restrictions. And they thought this was a... Uh, something they added to the conversation, but like it's um, right. I, I would consider that uninformed. Like it's it's a yeah. point a point out of hypocrisy that actually doesn't align with the the way the biblical narrative is trying to talk. But they didn't know that mm. because they were looking for a critique. I recently saw on on the Facebook some fella was given a uh, a negative review of a lawnmower company, and somebody commented on his negative review of this lawnmower company. Would Jesus give a negative review like this about a lawnmower? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, maybe was it bad? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus would go, dude, your your uh, your house has been left empty. Uh, your temple is, you know, is not uh, no longer righteous. I mean, if your lawnmower was not performing up to par, I feel like he would say such a thing. He'd say it's like a whitewashed tomb. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Said, interestingly, not nearly as many of these former atheists had good reasons to justify their own godless perspective. I can't cut the wheat and chaff with this. <laughs> Just imagining Jesus starting a pressure washing company called the Whitewash Tomb. <laughs> the harvest is ready. Get a different mower. And he shows up at your house and goes, well, it looks like I don't even need to do anything here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. They seem to know the atheists seem to know what they were against much more than what they were for. I think we've had that interaction actually talking to some folks. 
Many had readily dismissed God and faith out of hand without thoughtful analysis of exactly what they were rejecting or what they were embracing. They simply presumed a settled perspective based upon what they had heard around them in the surrounding culture or by esteemed authority. Okay, I think I may have told you this before. Uh, and maybe, hopefully, nobody from my general work area or professional life is listening at all. But I'm going to tell you this. The world is a house of cards. It's a house of cards, man. Like, the people who you think got the thing under control, they do not. They just they, they, they just don't. There's, there's, there's far, and it's not like they're not, like, in general. And may, I'm probably one of them. I probably fit the bill. I look like I know what I'm doing. I don't. So, like, but there's just a, there's just a, a, a significant number of people doing very important things in the world where you feel like, boy, those guys have it figured out. And, like, they're, they're human beings, and they're trying hard, and some of them are exceptionally skilled. But in general, most of the world does not have things figured out and have, like, a solid head on their shoulders. They are very much, like, working often confidently within a com- confined space of which is uh, held up by other people who also, it feels like, who they believe are doing something where they know what they're doing. But, like... It's just the mo- you'd be flabbergasted at how unsecure a lot of the world's infrastructure is, at how junk ball most of uh, professional services data in like all areas, technology, financial services, the the water, the the Des Moines waterworks, like this stuff is not under control. Everything is. There was I read an article this morning that there was a dude who was a janitor at some like scientific research firm or something. And there was a, a alarm that kept going off. Beep, beep, beep. He doesn't like it. He gets sick of it after like a few days and cuts the breaker. This turns off some sort of like crazy woolly mammoth deep freeze that keeps the temperature below, you know, whatever the Kelvin is. It's like a two Kelvin or something, a hundred negative hundred Celsius. They lost a decade's worth of work <laughs> all because this guy could so easily, they even had a sign that said, Hey, this is an alarm. Uh, we know it's a problem. Somebody's coming to fix it in like two weeks or something. Uh, if you want to, there's here's a button you can turn the alarm off for a few minutes. It'll reset and come back on. But here's how you can turn it off if you need to. Like it was it, like you know, guy wrote it at the office and taped it up. The whole world is is based upon handwritten notes at offices and janitors going, "I really hate that noise," <laughs> and turning it off. Okay, and so I, I say all that to say most people's held beliefs are not from considered positions like they just they 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 found an idea that they either liked or disliked they reacted strongly to it uh, most of people's rejection of beliefs are tied to people's uh, other people's beliefs they didn't like this man their their mama or daddy or some per- politician they saw or something they figured out what they those guys believes and go i definitely just don't believe like them because it's the same blender and if i believe it i turn out like that person and i'm out yeah like that that tends to be the depth of which people are connecting with stuff. And, you know, in, in like in the denominational church world, I, people, so many people don't understand. I, I see people like fighting tooth and nail over, over different denominations, whatever, against each other and, and, and everything. And I think half of them don't realize that it was just that all traces back to like two dudes who argued all the time and made their own groups. And, you know, it's, 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 yeah. like, it's not even I mean, we're closer than we think a lot of times. Yes. And, and but we're like, I, I'm out of here. You guys are awful. You're Satan. And it's just like, what? I mean, you know, right. Like what? Right. Yeah. Right. You don't even know that. Like most of these times we don't even know the basis of why we're having the arguments. We just we took yeah. an argument from authority. And I then heard went a preacher say this. Now I'm, I'm going to fight it. You know, I mean, go, 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 go on, go on with that. You know, and it's true. I'm going to fight my whatever Calvinist friend. or yes. Whatever. Like yeah. there's like 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 you'll run into folks that will be like, it's King James only. Yeah. That's the holy book. And you're like, why, though? 
Well, because it is. But why? I mean, like yeah. seriously, they're like, if you don't read King James, you don't actually know Jesus at all. Like that. But where'd you get that from, friend? <laughs> you know, and yeah. like they got nothing. But like two pastors ago, he said King James is the holy book only. Oh. And then like it just it just stayed. You hold this mic. I'm going to have to sort through Textus Receptus in the uh, complaint line for the next two weeks because you said they got nothing. They got nothing. Way to go. <laughs> if it's good enough for Paul. <laughs> That's right. Paul used the King James. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, right. And so like I, I think that this that holds that seems true for me. And it was true not just on the atheist perspective. It's true in Christians, too. I got all kinds of Christians who are like, and these are the folks who also use the online as a primary form of communication, and they're going to defend Christianity in such a poor, ignorant way because they actually don't even know why they believe what they believe. Uh, sometimes it's embarrassing. Yes. Yeah, seeing some of the fights going on on the internet, you're like, oh, I wish you would I'm just stop on your stop side, that. but mm, <laughs> Right, no, right. No. Hey, think about it this way. Think of how many, by the end of 150 years after Jesus dies, just, or actually just go nine, what's what's likely 100 years, so 100 or less, which is all the all the New Testament's likely written within that span, right? Think of how many people didn't write a letter that got included, yeah. and how many other people didn't have a gospel account where we said, you know, that's worth securing? <laughs> like, there's a very small number of people that put this collection together, and all the other folks now have access to Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit. Yeah. And they're out there spreading the word. Have you guys ever heard the... Uh the, the the dude that tries to explain the existence of God because of a banana. No, there's a it's like a video I saw one time, uh, probably on Facebook or something, of this dude that goes, "You don't believe in God? Just look at the banana." He goes, oh. "Look at the curvature, how it fits perfectly in man's hand." <laughs> <laughs> look at, I I don't need a wrapper. God provided the wrapper for me on the banana. <laughs> look look at the nutrition that it gives me. As I eat the banana, how can a God not exist if I have this banana? And then he goes off to go, and the giraffe. Just, you think one day a horse just had a long neck and was able to eat from a tree? (laughs) No, this this is God. And I'm like, oh, man, look at the banana. What is wrong with you? Literally, he goes, the curvature, and then grabs a banana in his hand. Like, it fits perfect in my hand. Cucumbers are from Satan. <laughs> There's no curvature in a cucumber. So was a cactus. Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. against me. <laughs> He's also like weirdly contorting his hand to hold the banana perfectly. Like it's just like, come on, man. We can do better than this, can't we? Right. Like we can we can figure out a basis of of, of argumentation better than like look at the banana. It's friggin' ridiculous. I mean, the giraffe. You can make some compelling distinctions yeah. about. But, I, uh, I always thought the giraffe was a great point. Right, like uh, like evolution has a hard time producing the giraffe for sure. You yeah, know? like Whose idea was it to make it spotted though? <laughs> he blends in. Yeah, actually, no. Grace has a point here. You know, I, I, a lot of times you watch these nature programs and they're like, "Hey, look at how well concealed that thing is." I'm like, it's very obviously right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, not only that, but like, don't most animals have better eyesight than me? Like, they can't pick out the pattern. Yeah, right. And most of them smell. They smell you coming, you know. Right. They're colorblind. Like that's the whole deal. Uh, but if they're, I guess if they're colorblind, but they, but aren't they? They're not contrast blind. Yeah, the color is what is similar. But yeah, it's like right. the blotches against the grass. That's I don't what know. you see. Yeah, spins right. 
Hey, that's a good point, too, is that, like, uh, animals don't tend to be very discerning about where they're taking a dump and can be easily picked out. Hey, I'll tell you something else. Hold on. I'm going to let this go. But, like, you ever guys, like, they show those, uh, they're on the African savannah or whatever, and sometimes, like, a, a lion shows up, and everybody acts like there's not a lion there. The lion's just kind of trotting around, and every once in a while, the lion will, like, take three or four steps and chase something away. It'll go, like, ten steps and then resume eating grass. Like, if someone enters your house and is going to rob you uh, and you're, you've chosen not to defend yourself, you're going to keep running and running and running and running until you're like way far away and can safely do something. These animals always like barely run away uh, and then just resume normal behavior just looking at the side of their eye. <laughs> Don't worry, we've escaped them. Yeah. Oh man, there he is. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's always, I always thought it was the, and sometimes like I watched this one where it got a it got like a wildebeest or something like a, uh, and like all the other wildebeests were running away it starts to eat this wildebeest, and like the others look back and go, "Oh, well, they they got Ted," and then they stop also and resume eating because they're like, "Well, now we're safe. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they must have found one." It's because they are safe. Why? Because the the lion's eating for sustenance. They're not going to just kill everything they could possibly kill. Yeah, maybe he and could so once they wildebeest, but once they've yes. got to eat, you've got to realize like the and animals. Always animals are not yeah. very often gluttons. Yeah. Like they're they're not killing for anything besides just what they can take in. That's why they're not killing no. off entire populations. No. This is a lie. This is a lie. That doesn't apply to cats or raccoons. <laughs> a raccoon is constantly beheading my chickens for no purpose. Constantly, it leaves the oh, entire yeah. carcass body. And the head next to it. It just beheads it and leaves. You see this happen? Oh, yeah. Like you watched a raccoon behead your chicken? It's the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. That's what raccoons do. They yeah. don't like the noise. Yeah, they don't like chickens. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, I will go ahead and take back the carte blanche statement of all animals saying, don't do that. I'm just saying. I'm fairly certain, though, that like lions... I mean, they're pretty well known for like killing the things that they absolutely need. Yeah, but what do you know about the appetite done. of a lion? Maybe he can have two wildebeests in a day. The problem is you don't see that very often, well, as you on, just described as the wildebeest. We don't live in the savannah. The wildebeest shut the camera off. But the off point after was the is one. that the wildebeest just stop because they go, "Oh, we got Jerry. We're good." Because he got Jerry, they're good. They were dumb enough to get Jerry caught in the first place. It's not like they're masterminding the whole thing. They're yeah. idiots. Oh, okay. So it's a solid point. Like <laughs> humans appear to have the thought that someone may continue to attack me uh, simply because they're uh, they're murderous and they're capable. Uh, well, the lions are certainly capable. They are. Yes. That's yes. What I'm saying. Yeah. But but it's, uh, and so you say there's a fear. This doesn't seem like a good evolutionary trait. Like the wildebeest at least goes, hey man, things are fine. But if we've you've evolved to the place where you're murderous, I feel like this yeah. is, this doesn't seem the Don't wrong direction. Do you think a hippo would grow a third twofer? You know what I'm saying? If the evolution the third twofer right. is what Mike, the biologist, just said to me, just really whiz banging a point down to me. I Don't mean, you think that a hippopotamus would make a third twofer by now? I if mean, evolution was real, you bet it'd have three tusks. You bet your butt that hippo would have three tusks. Like the the, the evolution always stops like. Just before it would be super useful, right? Like at the point where would you have become fully armored, be able to fly, and then live off of air only? That's what I would. I would. I, I think. To. I think biological imperative to stay alive in your circumstances is different than having a genie that gives you wings. Okay, well, I'm me. sure a hippopotamus would really love a machine gun if it could just have one. That's what like, I'm saying. I'd be like, I got three shooters, and I got this AR-15, and I'm gonna take out all of you. Like, but, of so, course. 
horse. But that's what we're saying. Like uh, when evolution makes its argument, they're like, yeah, we they, they came out of fish or whatever. Like the fish is just like sitting in the water, looks out and goes, you want to be great to yeah. be up on that land. <laughs> and then what? Like thinks yeah. real hard about yeah. it and like poops out oh, an yeah, arm right. or something. Fish is sitting in the sea in about 250,000 years. I swear I'm going to get you. <laughs> actually, Three that, tubers of machine gun. That is that is actually the justification I've heard yes, around the right. giraffe. Right? Like, oh, it couldn't reach the leaves. I mean, like... So it just it, thought really hard and went... Uh, wouldn't yeah. have it died out? Those so I wake up every yeah. morning and go, come on, hair, come on back to my head. <laughs> and you know what I got? Nothing. Yeah. There's and no so, like, in the hopes that, like, in generations, like, my six generations <laughs> for me, my boy's going to have an afro and a I huge mean, <laughs> curls. It, yeah, we're 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 talking on gigantic scales here of like of how long evolution had to have happened. Well, that that is why the scale keeps getting bigger. They well, keep yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. it also has to say like intent, like like the the brain of the fish would have to know that the leg was possible, and then through genes and DNA passed down from generations, eventually crap out a couple legs because and 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 get rid of its half lung. You'd have to have both lungs. Yes, and right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. So why would you ever get rid of that? Agree. Right? Why not, would the gator ever go or why would the eventual buffalo go man i wish i wouldn't have given them gills i could have been underwater as well i would have kept both <laughs> yeah yeah and why is some of them are so much better like you could have the giraffes camouflage which are just spots or you could be a chameleon who can actually change colors yeah. yeah i mean yeah and if you want to look into like legit camouflage that's effective you need to go to the ocean like the the some of the animals that are com- or the fish that are completely able to be 100% unseen it's insane yeah. like it is flat out crazy you look into uh, camouflage within the animal kingdom is insane so that's what i'm saying is, is if evolution is actually the deal like it, it's it's really not trustworthy because there's so many better combinations of characteristics you could have put together to get yourself the ultimate animal. Yeah. Because we're not the ultimate animal. My fe- my flesh can be pierced. I, mean, I need armor armor protective skin. I yeah. would never go. The ultimate animal is a hippopotamus with three tubers. <laughs> I mean, Although, like the hippo ain't the perfect animal either. Wait, is is it the hippo that like their tusks grow out so far that they grow? No, it's a boar that that's, the tusks uh, yeah, grow back into that their too. head. Yeah, right. Yeah, you'll you'll have. I mean, that can happen with a ram too. Like that's just it's just they, it just yeah. keeps growing if it's yeah, not but like rutted. But well, once again, evolution would be <laughs> like, hey man, can you make this tusk useful? I feel like this turned into everyone thinking that I'm arguing for evolution. It does. I feel promise, like I it. wasn't trying to do that. I'm just saying that like we're we're whatever. Yeah. I'm not getting into it. I just it. like talking. Yeah, Same. I'm actually I'm actually still open. I just uh, I I think there's a compelling thing right, to exactly. speak to, and right. I've not seen them. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's insane. There, I saw a thing recently that that said that <laughs> you know if we're talking about are you are you distancing yourself from me? Yeah. Because Okay, Nathaniel's going to sit over here. No, he's, I, he's evolutioning with that mustache, which is a huge mistake, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's there's no biological imperative for that mustache or that man bun. That's the truth. Nathaniel's the anti-evolution. <laughs> Actually, I, it was weird this came up because I was... I legit thought you were about to make an argument for the biological imperative of Nathaniel's mustache. Uh, no, but I do actually think you could make a case that there's a biological imperative on hair. Yes, like, absolutely. And so the loss of human hair seems... In fact, I, I was at the zoo recently and I saw the gorilla and I said, man, I could use some of that. Like, I got things to move around in my place, and that gorilla looks prepared for life. <laughs> and I just, I'm missing out. If I have some common ancestry with that, I really miss it. Look at him, he's throwing his own poo. Haven't, I wish I could go back to that. I would sacrifice intelligence for that in a heartbeat. Haven't I got, I feel like I've got more frail though. When I have, isn't the we right actually have. to go, uh, like, to go higher. Anyway, it was actually around human frailty. I was driving this morning, and for some reason what popped to my head was, is that like, the amount of effort that we spend rescuing children like uh-huh. yeah. kid, children that cannot sustain themselves, elderly that should not be able to sustain themselves anymore. Like it's it's built into the vast majority of people that we look out and go, we should we should sustain life. Mm-hmm. Like 
that that is a harmful biological Absolutely, imperative. Yes. It creates weakness. It ties strength to the protection of weakness. It is yep. it, it's it's a it's the wrong direction. It's against the herd. Yes, it's absolutely against the herd. Like yep. it, it, to, for it to, for us to protect the weak part of our species is completely against biology. Yeah, we 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 should not do, and it's an expenditure that we should go. We will be stronger genetically by eliminating genetic anomalies. But for some reason, with with compassion and morality, we go forget that. We need to figure out how to keep them close to us and keep them safe. Yeah, yeah. that's just that's not how the majority. Human. Like, uh, what, what was what was it? I saw somewhere like somebody saying like, like the earliest sign of like of like legit like human life is is uh is like uh, a healed broken leg. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like this guy broke his leg. Was basically was useless to the herd. Couldn't right, hunt, couldn't yes. gather, and they bandages up his leg. Couldn't have cared about. Yep, and, yes. and uh, yes. it, original herd mentality would have said, "Cut the weight, let that person die, and we will move on because Put we're nomadic." Line, and, uh, Eat the you leg. Know, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, get rid of that person because they're making us weaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Eat the leg. <laughs> I don't know about eat, I don't I know about eat the leg. It gets caught in between my twofers. <laughs> if I only had my the twofers. one in the middle. <laughs> Are they threefers now? Um, so one of the other questions was, did you detect any patterns to the circumstances that led to these skeptics to reconsider Christianity? Nearly two-thirds of the former atheists I spoke with thought they would never leave their atheistic identity and perspective. They were not looking for God or interested in spiritual conversations. So what breached their walls of resistance? In general, people are not comfortable questioning their own views until something disrupts the status quo. And in these cases, there was some catalyst, some form of dissatisfaction that caused them to question their own atheism or begin looking more closely at Christianity. Um, uh, Dissatisfaction can prompt searching for something more than our worldview has to offer. Disruptive longings can grow in someone as they look for better explanations to understand the world around them or their own lives. So I do think this part is important and why it's important to engage in um the weighty conversations with folks like big like the big types of questions uh it's also why, like i think i said recently at, at, at church like funerals are tend to be way more impactful than marriages because they're moments of which people can often um start to ask themselves big questions and realize that they're not satisfied with the answers that are at their at their disposal um and so i i again i think it's without uh, sometimes we get in our head like to evangelize is to go up to somebody say some a fact about jesus and then put someone on the spot and go do you believe it or not hell or heaven choose it um but like oftentimes these are like being being friends being kind people who help people talk through significant situations circumstances or questions in their lives they can start to see a confidence or at least a basis for which you embrace the world um that they 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 start to realize that their worldview does not allow yeah like like evangelism is 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 being the person that makes people wonder like like what like how are they so happy how are they like how are they like you're the person that brings a casserole when somebody's sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you made a casserole? I don't know. Okay. Those I've also the- never made a casserole, to be clear. Oh, really? Have you, Dan, have you personally made a casserole? I have. It's been a while. Like a breakfast? Breakfast casserole? Uh, breakfast and, and like a you know, tater tot. Okay, yeah. Green yeah. beans and stuff. And okay, what determines yeah. something to be a casserole? It's in a casserole dish. Is that it? Boo, you know these types of things. I put ice cream in a casserole in dish. What's the delicious casserole? It's a casserole. What's the delicious casserole? casserole? Speak it, Boo. This actually goes back to the ancient Sumerians. That's what uh, I thought. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, casserole dish. Okay. I stand on it. All right. What are some of the challenges your interview subjects faced after embracing Christian's beliefs? 
Uh, unfavorable cultural stereotypes of Christians abound in Western culture. Within that context, conversion in Christianity came at a great social cost. Nearly one-third of respondents reported negative responses or rejection from friends and family. They found their newfound faith to be socially frowned upon, embarrassing, and relationally alienating. One former atheist recalled, we lost a lot of friends, honestly. Even then, our beliefs were very liberal and in some sense more closely aligned with atheism than with Christianity on all sorts of issues. But just saying we're going to church this Sunday or Jesus is God meant a lot of people hated us and wouldn't even talk to us anymore because of that. It was difficult. <laughs> I mean, like, a lot of groups, in like, like tie their whole identity to being like, yeah, they hate us because we're different. Yeah. And, like, is that is that, like, suddenly uncool now that you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, right. Like, uh, they're only celeb- in celebration of the their own differences, not differences that would otherwise would separate them from that group, which is, yeah, which is an elitism all of its own. Yeah, um, yeah interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, let's see. Conversion story, blah, blah, blah. What do we go? Oh, yeah, here we go. When it comes to sharing the gospel with skeptics, what lessons can we learn from your research? In many ways, sharing the gospel with skeptics is similar to sharing the gospel with anyone who doesn't know Christ. The first thing to recognize is that everyone is unique. Just because you call yourself an atheist doesn't mean we can presume exactly who you are or what you believe. Beliefs are always formed and then held in the context of our own life stories. It's important then to take time to listen to individual perspectives, to hear what people believe and why they believe it. This not only allows you to value who they are and what they think, it also, unnecessary semicolon, also reveals personal questions that are often lurking beneath the surface of intellectual objections. It gives you a pathway toward meeting people where they are. Yeah, so like, uh, everybody gets to this point, right? And so the question is, is like, do you feel like people will get, will realize that their current worldview will not hold the questions they have? Like, are you afraid to help them get there? As if you're contriving it. Right. Like in in your head, you always think that there's an organic way that they will just come. They will run into this on their own and then they will come find you and ask follow up questions because now they've come to the realization. But but I mean, how many times have you been convicted through a sermon or, you know, just reading your Bible or something like where where you, it, you came to a thing and like you're like, oh, man, OK, I, I was helped to I was shown where my thinking wasn't right or where my where it wouldn't hold anymore, you know? Yeah. And so, like, there's a lot of different ways to get there. And, and some parts we bail a little bit because we think, well, there's no reason to really get into this yet because you don't believe the thing, you know? And so there's no reason to start, like, even talking about individual sins, right? When those individual sins are actually what's creating most of the anxiety and, and trouble in their life is coming from the fact that they are continuing to separate themselves from God in this way. And so, like... We're hesitant to talk about it because you're like, well, there's no reason to point you to, you know, changing your life in just to, to fix a sin if you don't know who Jesus is. But like some of that stuff is found through the exposing of this is what separation from God actually looks like. And it is producing X in your life, you know. And so I, th- I think we, we bail on that. I think I bail on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think like if it's coming from God, then we sh- you should be open to the fact that it can be helpful. In somebody's life in some way or another. And like, I think the, maybe the, the, one of the key takeaways is like, it's just an engagement. It's an active engagement that says like, this is needed. It's necessary. It is helpful. Um, and oftentimes what feels like, um, rationalized thought that people have come to is, is, is hardly that, um, it's much more of is tied to emotions. And frankly, a lot of people's, um, Christian faith is tied to like the people who have trouble leaving the faith, even if they like in their minds rationally no longer believe it. Because the their relationships are at church, um, 
they have good memories going back with their families and church situations. Like they did felt feel love and cared there. It's a um, I think there's there's that and then there's fear. But like a lot of times, remember we've read articles about pastors who don't even believe things anymore, but they're still there because so much is tied to their cultural identity. And like I. I want them to stay in the church, but like recognize that like people's behaviors, like they're totally susceptible to um, human things, tying them to spiritual truths that they may not actually even believe, but they're, they're too afraid to give up those relational or, or emotional aspects that are tied to it. And the same thing can be true for atheism. The same thing can be true for alternative lifestyles, right? Like they have, they have memories and relationships and community in a place and like they may may not feel as strongly as they once did, but they built their whole life on this thing. Yes. And so like it's a big change for them, you know, to to leave the like just like these guys were talking about, their their community and their base, you know, to to do a thing. And and so like sometimes when you're asking people to like give up on a lifestyle that they have or choices that they made, there's a lot ingrained in that. That's yeah. not just as simple as, yeah, you're right. I was living this way and I think I need to change it but now they're talking about like separating themselves from their whole life mm-hmm. like it's and they realize it and it feels very very heavy not even just because of the decisions they made but all the consequences that were a result of that mhm mhm okay that seems like a pretty that's a pretty interesting book all right you've been listening live from the bath thanks for hanging out with us uh so far today how are we doing here oh boy oh boy the time is really rolling by. Mike, I think I think we better give some advice. We're going to have to pick up some of these other articles at a different time. Yeah, you better wait a second. I wasn't ready. Okay. Hey, in the meantime, if you've got any feedback for us on the show, you can hit us up on the Live from the Path Bob Eisenhower complaint line. That's 515-517-0085. Call or text. We'd love to be able to hear from you. 515-517-0085. That's the Live from the Path Bob Eisenhower Complaint line. By the way, uh, Big Bobby Eisenhower, who, uh, uh, unbeknownst to him, sponsors that complaint line. Uh, he remains a fantastic man. If you have any real estate needs, uh, he actually does not know that he sponsors that line. We just uh, allow him to do so because he's a stand-up fella and was uh, very supportive for our show when we were on legitimate radio and had to pay the bills. And so uh, if you uh, thinking of buying or selling a home, hook up uh, with Bob Eisenhower with the Eisenhower team. It's EisenhowerTeam.com. Okay, ready? They're live from the path. Is it a problem that my doctor is a bit of a flirt? I had a procedure (laughs) recently, and when it was completed, the doctor announced, all set. My reflexive response of gratitude, relief, and optimism that the procedure would help me was, beautiful. Doctor's response to that was, just like you. Oh, nice. (laughs) Now that could mean, just like you to respond that way, or it could mean, you are beautiful. I don't mind either way, but is this a problem that should be noted somewhere? Like there's an, an international book of wrongs. Like, get me, in, get me in touch with the book of wrongs. I mean, can I just say, like, what? We were in Colorado one time, and we went to this donut shop. And the guy, and like, and like everybody who left the building, every every single time the guy who ran the place saw somebody leave the building, he said, stay sexy. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. And that was just like his ending line. Yeah. It was just a thing a guy said, you know? And you're not like, ooh, he thinks I'm sexy. He like, he just says that stuff, <laughs> you know? So that's the question. Uh, her question is, is is this a problem? And does it need to be noted somewhere? It's not the first flirty type double entendre that the man has used. I don't know. That doesn't feel like a double entendre. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I don't feel. I don't feel like that requires any type of. Uh, yeah, like yeah, if it creeps you out, go somewhere else. But I don't think there's any. I mean, is it? Well, this I, is an at will relationship. Like yeah. you're not forced to stay in it, and yeah. so like you're like if it's a question that that might bother you, then yeah, I mean I'd cut a trail. What you don't want to be worrying about this all the time. 
But on the other hand, if you tell the story flat like you just told it, uh, I don't see any offense. Yeah, yeah. Can I, I mean, can can I, can someone not remark that uh, you're a good-looking gal? Some people are just nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the lead singer of the band Jackal, yes, once said to me that he didn't want to take a photo with me because he doesn't take photos with people that are more attractive than him. Yeah. Yeah. Now we we all know that's not true. <laughs> and Narcisse was born from out of the pond. <laughs> and thus Narcisse was born. That is his mythos. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Oh, thanks. You thanks, mean Jekyll Man? <laughs> Don't you own the Full Throttle Saloon? Yeah. All right. He was a cool dude. Sometimes people are just nice. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, I mean creep by it. Say it. Yeah. Agreed. You feel uncomfortable yeah. either. I mean, you could mention it or you could bail. But like if, yeah. if, if it just feels like they're so, some people actually can get away with this. Right. In ways that other people can't. Yeah. And like you got to take uh, you, you should test the waters before you start behaving this way. You might just be a person who can't get away with it. That's truth. Between the two of us, if I gave somebody a compliment, it'd be a lot less creepy than you giving someone a yeah. compliment. You yeah. just can't pull that off. It's no, weird. I cannot. People just see me. They go, oh, he's a flatterer. It's fine. You, they're like, I don't know what he wants. Hey, I was at yeah. so, I was at a work meeting uh, in, in Minnesota last week and like multiple people because, you know, they don't, get, they don't go into the office very much anymore. And multiple times people came into the room and like hugged everybody except for me nobody hugged you <laughs> it was very clear that i was not a guy that you approached to hug and uh i also obviously did not offer to hug anybody and i felt real good about it like about the whole circumstance i've said, been to that same office once yeah. and got hugged by multiple people yeah yeah it's not it's not for me i put Hugable off the right vibe yeah. a, a doctor does they do see you in compromising positions yeah you know so it's probably not an appropriate time to like talk about your I mean, I don't features. know if that's what the if situation, What if you meant like Dan? you're a beautiful person, like as a whole? Like not like uh, the way James Blunt mind. says it? Yeah. Yeah. You're I mean, beautiful. I mean, I can tell you I why she's like, like, yes. like I, I get the reason why she's scared of it because like, I mean... Like ladies are told constantly, like, like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's trying, this guy's trying to flirt with you, this yeah. guy's trying to whatever, and like, and like, and then he's gonna take advantage of you, oh, yeah, okay. and like, I see her, I like, I can see why she would think that, like, th- that does not mean that that, like, that is the thing happening, and like, Ooh. and like, right, I get that, but like, g- generally the way that women are, the women are conditioned about about flirty dudes, okay, uh, I can see her reasoning behind that. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. I th- it is a fair point, and like, is it is it possible that in trying to instill a sense of caution in girls about uh, the creepers out there that you've actually taken something pure and nice away from plenty of very like lovely folk yeah, or nervous dudes. Nervous dudes will say weird All things. But here's the deal. Yeah. Justifiably, there are a lot of creeps out there. Like, there are a lot of creepy people. Well, most wonder, of them are very nice. I'm, I mean, I, wow. I don't, I, I don't know if I, say, I, I don't, I'm not going to throw out a most or or, uh, or like not that many situation, but like there are just a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So somehow my wife and I were talking about affairs tonight and and, and or our lack of them, obviously. But the, <laughs> you know we haven't had enough affairs. <laughs> but but one of the things was like uh, we should just sh- cut the show now. Yeah, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it is it, like I'm so socially awkward around women. That it's like it's not like she had anything to worry about. You know, yeah. you know, I, I'm not that guy. I'm not like hey, beautiful. You know, it's like I, I'm so afraid to cross any lines. I don't make any lines. Yeah, so it's right. just Like I just kind of go. Oh, there's a woman. Go to, over to the ice cream section quick. You know, I mean, I don't know. just yeah. go a different direction. <laughs> I'm not that paranoid, but but you know, I just I don't have any relationships. Code blue. Hit the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't hang out with girls, yeah. but with women. I, I don't yeah. you know, go to coffee with them. I don't... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, we the thing is, is like we sometimes err a little bit too heavy on dudes. Yeah. Like, especially in Christian circles that like we are so protective of like having any relationship with women at all. Just the appearance of what just, might be, yeah, you know. Or, yes. Now, like well, that now, happen, you to, know? to be fair to the guys in the room, like almost everyone in here holds a, uh, a place of authority in a church structure. Like, yeah, you're going to have to watch that closer. You're not just a regular guy. You know, you are leading people through God's word. And, and we're like, all pretty good looking. Yeah, yeah, and we're all amazingly handsome. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> you know, so like, you, like you do, you we do expect you to, you know, to to watch that a little bit. But like on the other hand, like if I didn't hold any, I didn't even approach my wife when we first started dating. So like, she literally asked me out. We played Madden football right on a, a video game forever. And like she's just sitting there waiting me waiting for me to ask her out, and I'm like, "Good game." I'm right. And then I, <laughs> you know, and then I cut a trail. Boy, that girl's pretty good at the football game. Okay, <laughs> okay. Not so. Somebody made when I was in high school. There was a a friend of mine who was a girl, and like she had put together this like collage of pictures and stuff from our band, like. And uh, and like cut out things or whatever. Mike the has like tables. a much giant one, but like this was like a small like table stuff. And listen, this girl had put this together and given it to me, and I just thought, oh wow, that's really cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I, I thought, what a what a nice thing to do. Like, I wonder it, how many other people are doing this? <laughs> it just did not. I mean, it took me probably five years later where I looked back and I thought. What a dingus I was. Yeah. Like, I should apologize to this girl. I said, look, she's certainly moved on from whatever she might have yeah. thought might be there. But, like, for her to have taken time to do something so nice, trying to lead someone to kind of get an idea that, hey, I might be interested, and yeah. me so stupidly to not recognize it at all, I thought, man, she she was rescued in this moment. Yeah. It was to her yeah. best interest that I had no idea. I told you about the, the time where, like, a gal invited me to her house. Beautiful woman. And, and she was in lingerie. And, like, it was 25 years later, I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> she, she wasn't just looking for a Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Like, uh, hey, you ever talk to you, you going to church Sunday? I mean, <laughs> Must be laundry day. Yeah. <laughs> you knew I was coming, right? Yeah. Oh. Aren't you cold? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a little cold, actually. I'll put on a coat. Okay. Secular says, if the compliment was followed by anything else that made you uncomfortable, you should have spoken up and told him so. He may have meant that you are a beautiful person rather than any physical attribute, or he may say something similar to uh, ingratiate himself to all his female patients. Bottom line, if you feel you must be on guard with your doctor, pay attention to your intuition and find another one. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Ladies, do you feel like any other thoughts there? Do Do we miss the boat? Good. Helpful. I was gonna say uh, clarify, but that would, but yeah, that that pretty much proves I got no thoughts. Okay, we, we all think you're beautiful. Sorry, we heard on guard and started fake sword fighting over here. This is classic. Okay, Mike, let's do another, let's do one more. Dear I from the path, I have a relative who lives in the same city I live in. Her parents and mine exchanged holiday dinners for decades. Our parents passed away many years ago, and I continue to include her for holiday dinners. I consider her a good friend, and we share many interests. During COVID, we started to have dinner every weekend to support local restaurants, and we enjoyed the evenings when uh, nearly all entertainment venues were closed. Now the shows and sports activities I enjoy have resumed, 
and our weekly dinners are interfering with outdoor activities I prefer. Uh-huh. She's retired, and I still work, so my free time is limited during the weekends. I feel pressured and must leave my events early in order to resume these dinners. Many of her close friends have passed away over the past couple of years, and she seems increasingly dependent on me for companionship. She suggests many other events and trips during the week. I'm concerned my lack of enthusiasm may eventually offend her. She knows my weekly schedule because of our frequent dinners and keeps track of my work schedule. I'm beginning to feel more trapped now that COVID restrictions have been lifted. What can I do? Say no. She's worried that saying no causes offense. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. So you're going to have to bite the bullet on this thing and you're going to have to just be honest with them. And you don't like cop to it being stuff that's related to you. You're like, hey, I I really appreciate the times that we're that we get to spend together, whatever. But man, I just the outdoors calls to me. I can't uh, I can't do all these things. It's like we I was we were talking about this a little bit in the car ride. Like there's a such thing as like uh um reverse self-centeredness, right? Where you believe that your actions will have such a large impact on other people, like that you are the <laughs> you are the center of 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 the universe uh, with the people around you. Yeah. Right? So like yeah, it's true it's going to have an effect because you have a relationship. But like you need to back off the worry that it's going to be so devastating. If it's so devastating, it wasn't a healthy relationship in the first place. Like people have legit boundaries and legit and know that they have lives intertwined with other people and should be able to reasonably take in that like, hey, the situation has changed. My family does this or I do this or whatever. And like it should be a disappointment, but shouldn't be a complete like ender of all things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Buva disagrees. All right, let's have it. Do it anyway, you say. Is there not? A level of just like rise to the occasion to be a nice person. Like this is obviously something that means a lot to them and they've had a lot of loss in their life, it sounds like, and they've literally clung to you as a friend. They're a pharaoh. You do what they want, otherwise the punishment. Why is it always the situation where the person that needs someone is automatically just a mooch entirely and is some kind of ancient Egyptian bad guy? I don't know. That was weird. There's a certain level of like, yeah, I mean, you can find a compromise. Instead of doing weekly, just go, hey, can we switch to bi-weekly? Isn't that what they're talking about? Doing Uh, it less? Yeah, 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 but the ladies like they want to do it more. But you, right? But you guys so far have said, yeah, you've got to realize that there's a level of of opposite self centeredness where you yes. think you're going to break their life and stuff like that. You could. Why not just find a place where it goes? Hey, instead of doing this weekly, I actually like going up. Blah blah but blah. But that's not a related relationship. That's an owner, right? You do, you do exactly what I ask of you. Otherwise, like things are going to go horribly. I mean, I I, I think. That's not a healthy relationship. I never Compromise. what I'm not saying it's 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 healthy because they're like clung to you, but I don't think the way to do it is to figure out how to just get out entirely. Well, I don't think that's uh, nobody what we're suggested suggesting that. that. Yeah, nobody yeah. said get out entirely. I yeah. think the recommendation was is that like if you feel like as the as the things are coming back that uh, you would like to not spend all your time doing the things that happened during COVID, but you want to get back to some of the old activities, then you should say that. Like I don't, I don't understand. Like, what kind of what kind of relationships are we talking about? Where your our reaction is today? Be dishonest about it. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't I want to share with them? These are the other things that I want to do. I, I I need to cut back on how often we're meeting. Where we, I mean, to your point, like you just do biweekly or something. Right, like, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So like, think of it as like if we were doing a uh, like a, a Bible study with us fellas every Thursday night, right? And like we did it for a while. We did it for six months, a year. And like I came to you guys and said, Hey, man, look, I'm just my kids are getting to an age where like I just 
I feel like I'm not being able to spend quality time with them. I'm going to have to shag out of this Bible study. And you'd be like, sure. Yeah, I get it. Totally. I understand what you're saying. That is not the situation she's bringing in. She's basically saying, look, if I were to get out of this Bible study, it would completely wreck her. In fact, she's trying to do three Bible studies a week to spend even more time. Well, only if only if previously, before you asked to get out, someone doing the Bible study with you was like, hey, I just, you know, like, I really appreciate you doing this Bible study with me. Like, I need you doing this Bible study with me. It, like, fills up my week. It, like, makes me feel good about it. Like, I can, I center my week on this Bible study because of what's helped ground me right now. Thank you for being there. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but. Yeah, I gotta it. go. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, all her other Bible study partners are dead. <laughs> that was included, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you still, I mean, you, it, there are always going to be going to be people in your life that want to control your schedule and your calendar and and you can't. You can't let every you have you you've got to control that. So if it's legitimate, you just have to just not. I mean, don't don't back out all the way, but but you don't right. have to set boundaries. To, yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's right. You, you need you just need a boundary to it. You need yeah. to know what you can accept and what you can't and like and 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 firm the boundary and and like don't let it cross. Yeah. And I think there is there is a notion to to what Buva was saying. Like there's a notion of sacrifice for people, mm-hmm. but it feels like maybe you were already doing that, yeah, right? Like, yeah. and so I, and it, it does not have to be. Um, there doesn't have to be a permanence to it because at some point you do have to ask yourself. Uh, and this is often like quarrelsome to sort out, but like, am I actually helping? Right, like you can enable such a thing of which people um, who need multiple relationships and uh, like who are trying to focus a dependency on you, like what what you do, think, say, or whatever, or interact with them drives how they think about themselves, how they think about other people. Like that's not healthy, and so like you you want to be cautious to not otherwise enable something that puts them at a disadvantage. Because you know what, sometimes you're going to go out of town. Sometimes you're gonna you're gonna get sick in the hospital. Like you can't have people falling apart because everything has to flow through you. Yeah. And so like I, I temporary, I'm in. Um, but I do think there is a healthy path, and a healthy path says when your friend of you, if you are actual friends, and they say. Uh, fellas, I got to I got to do this thing, or like I really want to do this thing. I enjoy it. I just I feel like I got to get outside. And so, can I? Can we cut us down by half to go, dude? We'll miss you, but yeah, definitely because you because this person wants what's best for you, yeah. and if, uh, as well. And if that's not the relationship, like you should acknowledge that and then figure out how to guard that. And, and there's no trail. reason you can't bring Samantha along with you next time as well, and say, hey, now there's three of us, and now you have a new friend, yeah, and introduce them to new people. And uh, then you can kind of back off and let Samantha, you know, step in a little bit. Or I'm saying cut them off. You say down. You're out completely. Yeah. Why? They're they're a wet rag. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. All their dead friends. Oh, oh! You think it's an omen? Like it's, yeah. death is coming for you. You don't you don't want them around. Yeah. Hey, Grandma! Sorry, all your friends are dead. We can't play chess anymore because it fills up my schedule. Exactly. Grandma's out. I, I didn't want to mention it, but yes uh, to that. is that the Green Ripper Reaper Reaper following you around? Can't even say it. <laughs> the Green Reaper. Dan, was Reaper. that your attempt at getting to Grim Reaper? I was trying to get there. Was that the Green River? What did I say? The, I don't even know. The Grim Reaper? I've had a lot of water. The garden we got three teepers over here in the Green Reaper. <laughs> the, the Green Reaper. 
What the heck? I would like to I'm be. I'm cutting all of you off is what's happening. I'm I, cutting a rug. Take me with you. Don't cut I would me like off. to meet the Grim cut Reaper's trail. cousin, the Green Reaper. <laughs> He's just over there picking his nose. He's got a bat. <laughs> are, are you the Grim Reaper? No, I'm just harvesting. I'm the Green Reaper. <laughs> no, my cousin won't hang out with me anymore because of COVID's over. He's the guy who owns the scythe. Oh. I'm just a guy that owns a scythe. No, they're not cousins. The Green Reaver? Oh. I think that, that there's probably a, a, a weight, a balance to both to both perspectives. And I think Boob is right. There's you, like you can't have like my schedule trumps all. I, I won't. I'm not participating in a relationship. You'll do what I say, and that's it. But the problem is, is if, if you acquiesce to everything that they're asking, then you're allowing them to do that very thing. And so, like, there's, I think Boo was right. I think there's just boundaries to put in place. Know what your limits are and enforce them in a kind way. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's up to the past. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I would say, like, so maybe the right way to think about it is, like, you should, you should enter into relationships willing to sacrifice, but only right. for their benefit. And if, if the level of sacrifice that you're making um, is to their detriment because of the how connected they are to you or, or how it's on you, yeah, then that's not to their benefit anymore. And then, yeah, you shouldn't, you should stop that. All right. Segular says, tell your relative the truth. Your schedule has changed since COVID and you want to be able to pursue the activities you enjoyed before they were curtailed. It should not be, quotes, offensive. Speak up and the truth will set you free. While you're at it, suggest some activities she might enjoy that will enable her to make some new friends. Okay. Yeah. Go to the retirement home, Grandma. Yeah. Puppet her around. I do. Be like a kid, like when your mom used to introduce you to some lame kid down the road, and you're like, I hate this kid. Yeah. But you can tell your mom's trying to get you to now, be friends with him. So th- this I, this is going to sound, uh, maybe this will sound a little bit harsh, but like. I'll agree with it either way. Yeah, I figured so. <laughs> so like we've talked before that like when people need help, um, one of the things that is not fair is to act like there's only one way of which you can help them. Like, hey, I'm really having a hard time. I can't make my rent. And, like, you could help them give them a job, pay them for odd things that they could do to help make some more money, help them find a cheaper place to live. But the only option they gave you was, can I live in your spare room? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just it, – and often people will do that. Like, they 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 want a specific thing. They're not open to other alternatives. They only want that. And, like, that's not right. You should reject that. It's not fair for people to approach it and pre-solve a problem probably in a way that isn't in their best interest and probably yours. And so I would say – Sometimes it feels like like loneliness especially um can can make you feel like dude if I'm not for there for them no one will be that they, they will be completely alone. Um there are cases of where that is true. There are many more cases of which they've actually not they're not trying to seek other relationships outside of you and it puts you in a very precarious position and frankly it puts them in a very precarious position. And so when you say things like hey uh, have you uh, the the church down the street has a Wednesday night dinner? Have you gone there to try to meet anybody? And oh, I, I didn't make it. Oh, I, I, you know, have you? There, there are like, I mean, there's hundreds of ways to engage with people, especially like now that you're out of the COVID business. Like, there's just a lot of ways to meet folks. Um, and I get making friends is kind of, is is kind of a long term proposition, but like, it's not fair for for people to farm out and go. This is my one and only friend, and my happiness and closeness and non loneliness is completely dependent on them. And so, um, just even then, you're being you're not being a great friend to accept that premise. Um, and it's okay to say, look, you really need to get out. You need more than one person in your life. I will let you down, not intentionally, but like I've I've just just run into this too, especially when you got like you're not the only relationship. Like, are we saying if you were proposed with the same thing? Like, let's say the the comparison here is like the person wants to go out with their family, 
and you say, well, I, between you spending time with your kids or you spending time with me, I want you to choose me. You would go, well, that's real. That's a real goofball thing to say. But like, ultimately, like that's kind of the position that you're putting, mm-hmm. that they're putting you in. And so, again, it's not to their best interest and it's not to yours. And it's okay to say there's not only one way to solve this loneliness problem. Uh, there are plenty of other options in there. You should pursue them. And if they adamantly refuse to do that, oh, I feel so lonely. I can't ever meet anybody. Did you try? No, I didn't. Okay. Like, you got to know what you're dealing with here. And sometimes, like, there's legit barriers in their mind to getting over that. You you go with them. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you to the bingo night tonight. I'll do that for six nights or whatever. I won't be able to make to all of them after that, but I'll, I will certainly be with you to help you get started. Like, do good things to help progress that stuff, but just don't feel... Don't feel beholden that people who need help gave you one option to help and only one path to that solution. It's almost always not the only option. I suppose an angle that, that we're not considering as well, because none of us are there. We haven't, none of us have thought through this lens yet, but like everyone she knows has died, right? At some point you, 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 you close yourself off like I, I don't. You know, I'm just going to get hurt again, so why try? And I think of that because, like, we have our, our, a senior meal we do once a month, and we try to get people out of their apartments to come out and, and be with people. Yep. And it's like it's, there's no reason not to, and some of them just won't get out of their room. Yeah. Just, they just – they've gotten to a dark place, and everyone they know has died, family, yep. you know, and, or family. You know, the, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Because I'm thinking through the lens of, well, just go out and do something. Go out and play bingo. You know, go out, yep. come on. You yep. know, because we're all still young enough to, to, to think that way. And yeah. So it's probably an extra something there. But still, that doesn't mean it's all on you. I mean, they yes. still have to. But, yes. But it's, I'm just saying it's going to be harder yes. than, than what we're thinking. Yes, you know? and I would agree. That's why I said, like, I think there are legit barriers to, yeah. like, it's not always just so simple of, oh, I want to, so I will. Yeah. It's not yeah. always that easy. Um, But, like, be, being conscious so of that, yeah. engage in that. Yeah, piece. yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're listening to Live from the Path. Did we, wait, did we give, we, we did respond to the secular advice. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right. Hey, I think that's it. I think we're going to call this, uh, this pony show one night. So thank you so much for hanging out with us at Live from the Path. We appreciate it. You can find more clips at our YouTube channel. Just uh, do youtube.com backslash Live from the Path. You can also uh, engage with us there on Facebook if you just search from Live from the Path. Uh, it'll be like the 700th result, so you can hook up with us there. We'd love to, to get a hold of you. In the meantime, uh, like we'll plan on seeing you next week, but in the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>